0: I'm an American Ready.
1: Welcome, welcome to the Liberty Mom Show here on the Loving Liberty Network. My name is Chris Kimball, and I'm hosting today, and Liberty Moms are the defenders of the home front, the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their family, their children, and their community. And Liberty Moms and dads, we don't want to leave out dads because they're part of our liberty as well, but part of being a Liberty Mom and Dad is being connected to the one who gives us liberty okay, where do we get our liberty from? Where do we get those principles of of um, individual responsibility and um, agency and free will? Where does all that come from? It actually comes from our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. He is the author of Liberty and we are in an amazing month of December and it is actually kind of a crazy time of year and so with all of this, um, angst going on with um, the normal holiday season, getting ready for Christmas, but then we have all the angst that's going on in the world. It's a crazy, crazy time. And so I wanted to have uh, one of our podcasts where we just focused on on Jesus Christ, on the timeless one, the one who's not anywhere connected to all of this madness that we experience down here, being caught in a... Space and time environment, but he is the timeless one, and uh, he's our our savior Jesus Christ, who can bring us peace. He can bring us comfort. He can he can share truth and light. And uh, my guest that I'm excited to bring on is Mandy Green. And Mandy Green and I have um, been able to travel to some amazing parts of the world, and uh, she's. She's going to share some insights on Jesus Christ, and we're also going to talk a little bit about his homeland here on on the earth, his land, um, Israel, the Holy Land. And we're going to all tie that in together in in this discussion of of the Savior and hope that this will give you a little bit of peace in this hustle and bustle and and angst that we're in right now to just take a few minutes and just focus on our Savior. and Mandy's background is um, is is phenomenal. She's very well equipped to talk about this day. She she actually has a an, a BA in humanities from Brigham Young University, and she has um, a, in a minor in English literature. She's fluent in Russia Russian, and she can read and write biblical, biblical Hebrew and Koine Greek, which is the language of the New Testament. And she has had postgraduate studies that included ancient texts and temples, the Nagamati writings, Egyptian religion, hermeticism, and Grail lore, which all ties into uh, some of the traditions that we have about um, Jesus Christ that aren't as well known today as the actual birth of the Savior, which is the the big tradition that we're. Heading into this season. So Mandy, I'm excited to bring you on. Thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you, Chris. It's my pleasure.
1: The other thing that Mandy, I wanted to just kind of give her um, uh, a shout-out is she has her own podcast called Reflecting Light. And um, that again, it ties that ties us back into who is, who bring who's the originator of light? Where does light originate? And again, it's going to drive us back to. To our topic today, which is Jesus Christ. and so um, so Mandy, I wanted to bring you on because we have a tradition of Christ being born in the manger, and it's a very lovely tradition. it's it's one that's very um, beautiful and quaint, and it uh, gives a very oh what's the word I want to use? it it um it he's very relatable to us, I guess, is what I want to say because he's in. Um, he's in very poor circumstances. He's in a manger with the animals, and there's no room for him at the inn. And and yet he's going to be our Lord and King and conqueror over darkness. And uh, but he has these very very humble beginnings. And um, is really is there much validity to really that that story? Because we're we're kind of seeing how history gets changed. Kind of seeing that today, that history can be kind of tweaked a little bit. It can actually be erased. It can actually be changed. So do we have anything that really gives us concrete information about whether or not that little manger story is valid or not?
2: Well, with anything that is this old we're you know we're looking at archaeological pieces and i did study archaeology with at hebrew university for a summer and seriously in my next life but um as we look at the archaeology that's that gives us some clues about what's going on but outside of the proof we have to look at the traditions and i think the piece that's missing most from that particular tradition is this context of what's going on at the time of Jesus Christ. I think at the birth of Jesus Christ, I think the most, most important piece of context that I'm not sure we look at that's super critical to understanding his nativity is the setting. And the setting for the nativity is the ancient temple. The ancient temple was designed to be a microcosm of this heavenly macrocosm. And so the whole Old Testament is full of prophecies about Jesus Christ, about the great high priest. I mean, he has so many titles. He has so many amazing roles, so many attributes. And I think the tendency throughout time is to really try to humanize the story. I don't know if that makes us feel better about him or better about ourselves or, you know, the Pope's, it's his story. So we're not, we don't even get any part of her story, which I'd actually like to discuss some of today. Um, And I really hit on my latest podcast, but we have to understand the setting. So the setting is the ancient temple. It's about, um, earth Reflecting Heaven, and it's about all of these prophecies and about all of these holy places where the King of Kings would be found, where the, you know, the angel of great counsel, wonderful. If you're, if, if you're familiar with Isaiah and if you're familiar with Amos and if you're familiar with Malachi, there are specific clues in there that are going to tell you where and how this event takes place. And if you're talking about the king of the universe, right? The savior of mankind and perhaps beyond certainly the heavens are going to reverberate. Some the heavens will reverberate some of that truth in that to us. So we've got to really pick up a lot of pieces in the old Testament and we've got to look at the ancient temple and what's left of it at the time of Jesus Christ who's in power is, you know, who's, who's calling the shots. And then I think the that's the better place to start rather than taking this very um, Catholicized version of a stable. You and I have been to Israel, Chris, how many wooden stables did you see? <laughs> Zero, right? <Okay>. Everything's stone <laughs> and rock. Right. And so We're taking something that comes out of, you know, a Catholic tradition, about 800 AD is where we get our current tradition. And so what we want to, what I'd like us to do is actually take some of the elements of the story and place them back in an original temple context. And then let's see where we can go from there. And again, these are all traditions. These are all things that I just want you to sit with, kind of like, the dew from heaven just let it kind of percolate and create and distill and see how it goes that would be that would be how i say we approach it
1: that is exactly what i would want to do and spend that time with you mandy because as much as we love the animals and the the setting and the quaintness and and i love the word you used we've humanized the son of god in a way. And that whole scenario. So, and and I guess that makes it more relatable to us. I, perhaps we've done that, but um, I do want to explore and expand and um, hopefully, you know, people will be able to just open up their hearts, like you said, and just take in the information and just let it sit with them and um, uh, see where it takes them. So, Um, We're going to be back. We've got um, a short break here. Mandy Green is with us. We're going to be talking more about the tradition of Christmas. So stay with us here on the Liberty Mom Show.
3: involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors past results do not guarantee future performance stock market have you nervous with all the massive fluctuations with the hope for a covid vaccine on the rise shifting political landscape and the election at an end it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next with vantage point you don't have to text money to 411411 to find out how our technology can forecast market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy text money to 411411 to get what you need to stay ahead of market trends and find explosive moves before they happen vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds stop guessing start predicting trends 72 hours in advance text money to 411411 and experience vantage point for free text money to 411411 so you can protect and grow your capital now don't wait text money to 411411
4: go to vantagepointsoftware.com for terms conditions and privacy policy
5: You know what stinks? Overpaying for things, and that includes your cell phone bill. That's why every day people are switching to Pure Talk USA. You get the exact same coverage as the larger carriers, but at half the cost, with no contract and no excessive fees. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data all for just $20 a month. The average person saves $400 a year. Go to puretalkusa.com, enter the promo code Off, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Off. Pure Talk USA. Simply smarter wireless.
1: We're back here on the Liberty Mom Show, Chris Kimball hosting today. It's it's December, and we want to talk about Christmas. And I've brought my good friend Mandy Green on with us, and she just set us up in the last segment about the traditions of Christ and his birth at Christmas time. And we're just going to explore some ideas that actually come from scripture and um, expand that a little bit. So Mandy, I'm going to just turn that over to you. What are what's some things that we should be looking at that really might not be part of the Christmas tradition?
2: Well, one that's definitely not part of our Western tradition, but is a great part of the Eastern tradition, is Mary. So I need to start at the beginning with Mary. Her name in the Eastern Orthodox tradition is Theotokos, which is God bearer. Wow. Just think at that name. Like when I just say it, I feel the weight of it. So we have this God bearer, and we're oh. as, once again, we're ascribing all of these human attributes. And granted, you know, we have divinity taking, becoming incarnate, right? So that's the process we're looking at. But I think, well, you know, history obviously is going to write his story. And it's also the story of the victors. And so we're finding out through a lot of recent scholarship in archaeology that the, the Old Testament is actually much more of a minority report. It's actually much more of what the minority is saying rather than what's actually going on. So in ancient Israel, in the ancient Hebrew tradition, uh, El or El Elyon was the high God, right? You, He would be the God, the father figure. And he had a his consort or his wife was named Torah or Ashtoreth. And she was Often identified or symbolized by a female body with breasts, but her her torso and down was the trunk of a tree, and so anything to do with trees is actually uh, recalling this idea of a heavenly mother of a of God the mother, and so when we talk about theotokos, you have to understand that really for the majority of Old Hebrew worship this Asherah or Torah um, had everything to do with this female divine, right? This role of the feminine. And so um, I want you to pay attention to anything that has to do with a tree and any of those symbols. So the story, I would point us to a text called The Proto-Evangelium of James. Now, this is not a text that was canonized. And you have to look at what was canonized and what wasn't, and maybe why it wasn't. But for now, we'll just say it wasn't canonized. But it's a really different take on the birth story. And I found it tremendously illuminating because it's actually going to reference much more of the Old Testament than the tradition that we have. So proto, meaning first, evangelium in in Greek is good news, right? The good news of the gospel. So... In this proto-evangelium, it says that Mary was raised in the temple. It's a story very much like Samuel, that her parents were past the age of having a baby. They prayed, they were visited by angels. Uh, Anna, her mother, was able to conceive a baby, and she said, If I have a baby, I will give her to the temple, give the baby to the temple. Well, Mary is born. And in the Proto-Evangelium, it said she took seven steps. Her mom picked her up and her feet never again touched the ground. And when she's three years old, she's taken to the temple and she's literally raised in the temple. And when the time comes for her to start menstruating, all the priests in the temple uh, kind of freak out and say, well, blood will make the temple unclean. Again, here's our setting. So... We've got to find someone for Mary to be with um, so that she doesn't pollute the temple. And that's where Joseph's introduced. And according to this text, and again, I'm just putting this out there. According to this text, Joseph is a widower. He's much older and he has sons. and his oldest son is James. James the just, the the stepbrother of Jesus Christ. And so the protoevangelium, is so beautiful because it is said to be the perspective of James the Just as about a 16-year-old teenager as a witness to these events. And so Mary is given to Joseph as a ward and you can read about this a dove flies out of his 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 staff which again you've got the dove the, the bird you know that in Hebrew it's the heavenly spirit's called a ruach it's it's feminine. So he takes her into his home and leaves and that's when the angel visits her, tells her she'll have this baby and she says, "How is this going to happen?" and he says the 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 holy god will overshadow you. It's not by the usual way that we would, you know, conceive a child. And she's invited back into the temple to start weaving the veil of the temple with seven other virgins, and as she's weaving the veil of the temple, and again, you're talking imagery from Job, you're talking the books of Enoch, you're talking these very ancient sources that this heavenly mother was always a weaver, and so again, you've got Mary here as this personification of this this mother weaving the veil of the temple, but she's also weaving the veil of the body of the son of God. And this is happening simultaneously again, temple imagery. And that is, that is so
1: powerful because I've not thought of that before. Simultaneously, the babe is growing
2: in her as she is weaving the veil. Yes. Through that connection there. Right. And, and, and the veil of the temple represents all of the elements of the earth but it's also the demarcation line between the holy place and the holy of holies. Mm -hmm. And so we have divinity coming down and we're going to look at this demarcation because was Christ really born in a stable or did it take on a temple context? So according to the gospel of Luke, the word, the, the phrase there is there was no room for them at the inn. The Greek there is kataluma. It can be translated in, but it can also be translated um, as a temple place, as a temple cave. And so all of a sudden, if there's no room in the Holy of Holies, in the Temple of Jerusalem, then there's obviously some type of temple outside of Jerusalem that would house this holy, holy event. I mean, this is
4: mm-hmm.
2: this is unprecedented. It's never happened before. Um, Christ's second coming doesn't happen like this. And so we've got to remember that this is divinity coming down, incarnate, and there's no place for him. In the temple that's supposed to represent him. No one's going to accept him. No one's going to allow her in. And so I wanted to give you that background about the Theotokos, because you've got to understand who Mary is. And no offense, I hate that song, Mary Did You Know, because she absolutely had to know. She absolutely was aware of what she was doing. And Well, we are going to,
1: that Theotokos is a name to just hang on to, the the God-bearer, but um, we have, um, we're taking a a short break here. We're going to be back talking more about um, these traditions that are associated with Jesus Christ and his birth. So stay with us here on the Liberty Mom Show. Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Thank you for listening in today. Chris Kimball is hosting, and I've been talking with Mandy Green about the traditions surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. We are focusing on um, some alternative, uh, an alternative look based on the scriptures that are given us. And a lot of times, this is happening because of the translation. We've had um, different individuals, Jerome for one, that has gone in and retranslated or translated from the um, the Greek into the Latin and the Latin into the English, and by the time that all happens, you get a different word that gets latched onto. And so um we were kind of talking about the idea that um maybe he wasn't in a manger as much as in a temple cave, right?
2: Yes, and this took place, yes, and The word manger also, um, not necessarily, it could be translated as manger, but it also can be translated as an altar. So if you look at the role of Jesus Christ and that he's born in the Holy of Holies, wrapped in swaddling bands. Now this goes back to a lot of different traditions. The high priest was wrapped with bands around his body, leaving only the top open so his head could be anointed. In Egypt, the king was wrapped, right? And so this isn't just like, I'm putting a baby blanket on him. This is ceremonial. This is this is ritual. And so Margaret Barker, and I really recommend her bu- her book, Christmas, the Original Story, if you really want to get into this. This is all documented there. I don't have time to, to do it that way here on this type of a format. But she said that he was born in the Holy of Holies, wrapped in the bands, and placed upon the altar. Yeah. Now, wouldn't that be way more consistent with the advent and the incarnation of the Son of God, whose divine mission is to save us from death and hell and to provide eternal life? That seems a lot more consistent. Um, One other thing I'd love to point out about the Protoevangelium, probably the most deliciously sacred part of it is when Joseph, as the guardian of Mary, so James is here. He's part of this story. And Joseph, all of a sudden in the Protoevangelium, it goes to a first-person account. And Joseph goes out, Mary, she comes to a palm tree and she starts to have this pressure like that she's going to have the baby and so she rests under the palm tree and joseph goes off to it's it's a few miles outside of jerusalem on the road to bethlehem it puts us right in the spot and joseph went out to find a midwife to help her and as he's out finding the midwife he sees time stand still people stop midwalk Water stops in the mid-pour, mid-sentence. Time stands still. There's this tremendous bright light. And then the light goes into the cave and then time resumes. And Margaret phrases it as when the timeless entered time. That is something to think Fantastic. about. Fantastic.
1: It is. I love that imagery and it's so powerful. I mean, of course, to me anyway, something has to shift. Something's got to be changing to allow him to incarnate into this world.
2: And what's so neat about that. So when Chris and I were actually in our last tour in Israel, and I'm not sure any other tour does this, but I'd read all about this place called Khathisma. Khathisma is the word for the sitting or the squatting of Mary and it's not just in the protoevangelium of james in the um in the islamic account it says that mary sat beneath a palm and that the tree bent down to feed her and the river of water came up to nourish her as she gave birth to the baby and so if you know anything about archaeology in israel um helen the mother of Constantine, went to Jerusalem to find all of these holy sites. And there's a holy site where they built an octagonal church. Now, when I say an octagonal church, if you knew anything about eight dimensions or eight sides or eight levels of heaven or the star of Melchizedek, an eight-pointed star, that should be a really big clue for a very sacred building, because what's the only other octagonal building? It's the Dome of the Rock, where it, which is supposed to found you know house the foundation stone, right? So here you have the ancient temple there. Well, Kathisma is the place where Mary sat, or the place of Mary sitting or squatting, where she sat beneath the tree. There's a river that runs right by there. And when Chris and I went to Israel and took our tour, I insisted that we went to Kathisma because in 1990, they, they went to um, enlarge the road from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And as they went to do it, they, they came across some remains and they excavated it and they found the remains of this church they've been searching for, for over a thousand years. All right. It was built about 500 AD. It's been under rubble and they excavated it and they found this octagonal structure with a rock right in the middle of it and these beautiful mosaics of palm trees. In fact, when we were there, you could brush the dirt and there's the mosaic right under your feet. Now, because they aren't able to develop the site, they just covered it back up with dirt and so we were kind of just like i'm like it's by this monastery it's off the side of the road but we found Kathisma, and i have to say it's probably one of my favorite spots in the world mm-hmm. because it's you can see the jerusalem temple from not the temple but the dome of the rock you can see temple mount right from where you're standing you're right on the road to bethlehem the shepherds fields are right there and you know 1400 years later They've dug up this beautiful structure that was built to honor the sitting or the squatting of Mary, where nature provided the timeless entered time, and here's the advent of the Savior.
1: You know, that spot for me, too, what, what I see with the imagery of Kathisma is it's next to a highway, and so it's this sacred, sacred spot, and, and people just drive by it. We have no idea what it is, so it's almost like hidden in plain sight. It's there.
2: Everything (laughs) sacred. It's always exactly,
1: (laughs) exactly. So it fits that pattern. It's hidden in plain sight. It's just there. You have to, you have to look for it. You have to search for it, but it's there. And even the last time when I was there, my my Israeli guide had no idea about it, and uh, the uh, the New Testament guide, he'd been there. I don't know, a hundred times, I'd never heard of it. Luckily, the bus driver, my little Muslim bus driver, knew the spot. Okay, so he he could drive us there. But it's a very, very beautiful place um, because the imagery matches all those pieces that you just described. Plus, there's olive trees, too.
2: Yes, it's full of olive trees. It's got water. It's got rocks. It's got palms. It has all of the things that actually place it there, and not just from the proto-evangelium, but from the New Testament and from the Quran. I mean, those are three historic, you know, sources that are kind of trying to flesh out this story just a little bit more for us. And the palm anciently was also one of these, you know, symbols of a tree of life. And the palm actually itself in Egypt represents resurrection wouldn't it be entirely appropriate that the palm is there to shelter the king of the world who would die and be reborn? I mean, and and again, all of this has an ancient temple context and everything about his birth should be fulfilling these ancient prophecies, right? If nothing passes away without him completing it, you've got to be looking at the first clues and then following those threads through in the current traditions that you're looking at.
1: Well, we've got more that we want to talk about. Uh, we're heading into a break, so um, I don't want to get into a big long um, uh, question. But what we've uh, been talking about, we're we're talking with Mandy Green, and we're exploring the the traditions of Christ that we've had, but we're we've grown up with. But we're exploring really what might have been. Based on the historical context of what you find in Scripture and and uh, the traditions of that time, and so um, we're going to be coming back here shortly and uh, uh, discussing more because there's even a more beautiful piece with the midwife, right? Yes. So, well, stay with us. This is Chris Kimball on the Liberty Mom Show.
0: the number one gift in this stressful year, relaxation from Homedics. Soothing stress for over 35 years, Homedics is the top home massage products brand with gifts for every aching muscle on your list with free shipping on orders over $50. Holiday supplies won't last, so avoid the rush while you can at H-O-M-E-D-I-C-S dot com. Get the perfectly relaxing, perfectly affordable gift now at Homedics.com and major retailers everywhere
5: we all have health goals but let's face it you are living in some fantasy world if you think you are suddenly about to start eating better in fact have you thought of this how many different servings of fruit have you eaten today how many servings of vegetables and sorry dad french fries and ketchup don't count the experts recommend eating over 10 servings of fruits and vegetables each day that's where balance of nature comes in With three fruit and three veggie capsules, Balance of Nature gives you all your daily recommended servings and contains 31 different fruits and vegetables. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of fruits and veggies. Change your life now by calling 800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA.
6: Do you think some of the top investors in the world are buying gold? Recently, a handful of billionaires have been accumulating gold over other forms of investments. When the world's financial moguls like Sam Zell begin choosing metals, perhaps it's time you listen and follow suit with your own personal investments. Gold is formally recognized as a hedge against currency depreciation and inflation. Take David Einhorn as one example. Einhorn founded Greenlight Capital in 1996 and surged that fund from $900,000 to as high as $11 billion. Einhorn believes that the central bank's recent stimulus efforts will have an effect on pushing up the value of gold he keeps 10 percent of his firm's value stored in gold bullion if you're interested in knowing more about gold platinum and palladium call noble gold for a no pressure consultation they have the most experienced representatives and an exclusive pipeline to metal sources visit them at noblegoldinvestments.com that's noblegoldinvestments.com
1: Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today, and we're taking a break from the, uh, the the craziness of the world of 2020. And we're just going to dive deep. We've been diving deep. We're talking about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's December, and it's been a fantastic discussion on, on learning some things that are not in our KJV um context, so to speak, although there are hints of it, as Mandy has talked about, but Mandy Green is my guest, and um, we just got through talking about the entry of Christ into the world and how time stood still, and uh, so Joseph has gone off trying to help Mary find a midwife, and then it's taking place without him,
4: right? Yes,
2: so according to the Proto-Evangelium, There's this brilliant light and it enters the cave and then there's this, it, it, like it, it goes into the cave and then there's this beautiful perfume and that's something we really miss out on in the Western tradition. I actually just bought a frankincense fragrance bulb at Bath and Body Works and every time I walk into my hallway, it, it has this frankincense smell, which is Actually very Eastern, but it's part of the ancient temple, right? That you would have these burnt offerings and you would burn frankincense as a way to get the attention of the gods. And smell is not a sense that we usually use in a Western tradition, but obviously you were given five senses for a reason. And so the accounts of people who are witness to it, according to this tradition, is that there's this beautiful fragrance coming from the cave. And so Joseph, uh, the, the baby comes, and it says that they have the baby suckle the breast as a, as a way to fool the adversary, as a way to trick Satan, that it's human, that it's not um, a threat. And so the baby suckles the breast, and then Salome, the sister of Mary, comes, and um, she's like, I don't believe any of this. And she goes to do like the midwife check on Mary and she puts her hand up in there and Mary is completely intact. She, she feels like a virgin. And so Salome is, she, she didn't believe it, but she's now a firsthand witness that Mary's virginity is intact, which would tell you that this birth didn't follow the usual process. Right. Um, And Her hand starts to burn. It's on fire. And the angel says, uh, you need to pick up the baby. And so she picks up the baby and immediately her hand is healed. The burning immediately ceases. And what a beautiful foreshadowing of the healer, the great healer, right? And Um, the woman with issue.
1: Yes, he had to do was reach out and touch his hand.
2: Yes, yeah, not even touch him, right? Yes,
1: like, yes.
2: So, so the the light is a very tangible, real thing. But this birth is really, truly something extraordinary. It's going to go outside of time and space and natural law and things that that we want to put on it for whatever reason but i love that i love that beautiful account of how even as a baby that light is there and 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 then take that back to who would who would give birth to the savior of the world the theotokos the one that trees bend to the one that rivers go to meet a holy woman um just a just a truly beautiful thing to contemplate as you as you go about your season right maybe with a little yeah. more time to take these events in in the way that they actually happened without the fanfare without all of the trappings without all of this running around but in the way they really truly came to pass
1: it gives us a perspective of Jesus Christ really being a god. He is the son of God and becomes a god, but he's not entering the world like a, an ordinary mortal. And uh, and so it's it's beautiful the imagery of of the birth of an on an altar and um this amazing light and the the sense of this beautiful smell and uh all I'm of that not even talking about
2: shepherds yet, right? Like yeah, it,
4: you <laughs> oh, know yeah, we, we're, When the
2: sacrificial sheep are born, they are laid somewhere differently because their feet can't touch the ground and their feet are wrapped so that they never do touch the ground. And it said, one tradition said that they tie a red string around the, the foot of the sacrificial lamb. And if you know, there's a picture by Harry Anderson of Jesus Christ in a white, uh, gown but with a big red sash and I have wondered about that for years until I read about that tradition of the sacrificial lambs for the temple having the red string tied around their feet and I'm just thinking everything about this shows him as the great and last sacrifice everything to do with the shepherds there's a lot Margaret contends that these are actually a seen priests and that they've been watching for these signs for millennia And that the Tower of the Flock is a place where temple priests are keeping watch for specific events. I mean, how else are they going to know when he says you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a in a manger, right? There's probably hundreds of mangers, but you'll find the baby in the Holy of Holies, wrapped like the high priest on an altar, and they make with haste. They know right where to go. Are we really talking about? shepherds are we talking about people who shepherd like the good shepherd right those who help people progress and go forward in in this path of eternal life i mean it's just a rich rich story we're just barely barely scratching but again this temple context is going to help you unlock some more beautiful understanding of what may have occurred so, what uh, what's the three magi? What's the the three
1: wise men? How does that piece fit in?
2: Well, that's a really interesting piece. But it said that the gifts they bring um, were actually gifts given to Adam uh, when he was kicked out of the temple, the Garden of Eden. He had something called the Cave of Treasures where he kept gold, frankincense, and myrrh as gifts for the King of Kings. Because when Adam was was you know, he was ordered out of the garden. Um, They were devastated. They were devastated. And when he's sick at the end of his life, he sends his wife back to the angel guarding the tree and saying, please, will you give me some oil from this tree? It will save me. And they said, the effects of the fall will not be reversed until the son of God comes and reverses it. And so some of the tradition behind those gifts is that they were kept by and handed down from Adam in the cave of treasures until they could be brought to the son of God who would actually reverse the progression of Adam as he came from the garden and into the world that the son of God would go back into the garden and then back into heaven. And if you look at the resurrection, you see that beautiful parallelism as well. So just, you know, so much. Who are these priests? Who are these people looking for heavenly signs? How much do we look up? Well, I'm hoping
1: today that this discussion we've had, which has been fascinating, because I'm very familiar with it, but I love hearing it. It's so beautiful. But I hope it's piqued interest in people that perhaps you'll want to search more diligently and pay attention to some of those uh, scripture references, chapters that. Mandy had talked about earlier with Isaiah and Amos and Malachi is the clues are there, but, um, uh, I wanted to kind of shift gears just a little bit because we've had an opportunity to actually visit those places. And Mandy, what's the, um, Oh my goodness. We are so have to wrap up, but so let's do this. Um, Mandy has a podcast. So I want you to, um, uh, watch for her podcast reflecting Light and where do they where can
2: they watch that? So Reflecting Light, I have a website, reflectinglight.org. Uh it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I also it's also on YouTube. If you don't do podcasts, you can just jump on YouTube and look for Reflecting Light. And this month I am focusing on the nativity. So I'm taking all of these things and really expanding them quite a bit.
1: All right, and she will be our guide in November with Legacy Tours and Travel. We are going to be going to the Holy Land November of 21. And uh, so if you'd like to have her uh, insight and uh, amazing um, content about uh, the Holy Land and how it applies to our scriptures then you'll want to join us. So Legacy Tours and Travels. So Mandy, thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. It's so great to talk with you.
2: You too, Chris. Thank you so, so much. And everyone sure. else.
1: And thanks for listening today to the Liberty Mom Show. And we hope all of you have a wonderful um, Christmas day when it arrives here.